It's Sex and Sarah Rose. I'm Sarah Rose, and really quick before we get into this episode, I know you may have found my podcast because you were looking for some interesting information about sex to listen to, but what you may not know is that I actually work with a lot of men to help them tap into their inner badass, have the sexual confidence that they've always desired to have, and to know once and for all that she isn't faking it. I have two distinct programs to help men. The first is for men who are ready to take the first step towards igniting their powerful sexual energy and getting better in bed. It's called Sex Stallion Training and it's an online program for you to do on your own time in the privacy of your home without a partner. This is for men that are single, in a relationship, or dating people. The second is called Man on Fire, which is the only sex university just for men. This six month program is designed to help you become the ultimate sexual master. For six whole months, you train with me in live online sessions, and I will train you to be the best lover that she has ever had. So if you want the sex secrets that every woman wish you knew, and you wish that every woman had told you, this is where they are finally revealed. Check out more info at tantricactivation.com or just check out the show notes in the podcast app you're listening to this from now, and there will be links there for you. Thanks and enjoy the show. It's Sex and Sarah Rose, and today I have with me Celine Remy and Kevin Anthony. They are an international husband and wife team who decided to join forces to create a worldwide movement of true sexual empowerment. Kevin, the truth warrior, is a men's coach and tantra counselor. Celine, the intimacy angel, is a holistic sexologist, certified sexological body worker, relationship and intimacy coach for men and couples. Together, they are truly the power couple. They host the Love Lab podcast and are co-creators of Sexual Power Mastery, an online educational training system that teaches the exact process to any man who desires to bring his A-game consistently to the bedroom. They guide couples and men on how to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. Hey, thank you both for being here with me today. You're welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. Oh, good. Well, so good to see you both again. So for everyone listening, um, uh, Selena and Kevin had me on their podcast a few uh, a few months ago, I don't remember exactly when, but um, we talked about um, the the Me Too movement and a lot going on there, and it was a really great conversation. So definitely recommend you checking that out. We can uh, include that link in the bio so everyone can check that podcast out as well. Um, but today we are actually going to be talking about a different subject, but you know it's all really connected. Uh, so we're talking about relationship dynamics about how we can be successful no matter what type of relationship we're choosing to be in, monogamy, multiple relationships, um, just and how to settle these relationship agreements. And uh, I'm really excited to talk with both of you about this because I know it's an area that you're experts in and have a lot of personal and practical experience as well. Yes, there is a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. You said the word agreements. I got a great funny story about agreements later. Ooh, well, we like funny. 
Um, well, so give us a little background on the two of you. How did you get started? How did you become international coaches? <laughs> That's a great Good. question. How about you go? <laughs> well, I would say it's fairly easy because I am originally from Switzerland. Um, so that's where I grew up. But what happened was very early on, I got introduced to sacred sexuality teaching and Taoism. And I started with Montag Chia. And that's really what got me excited when I discovered that there was practices to learn how to move your sexual energy and like how you could use it to create what they called inner alchemy and and like amp up your life with that I was like this is amazing I want to learn more about this and that led me on a journey where I went to Thailand to study with Mentor Chian and I went to India and learned Ayurveda and Tantra and meditation and yoga and for me that definitely was a path that fascinated me from an early age and the more I dive in because I've now been on this journey for just about 20 years and the more I dive in the more there is and I don't think there's ever a time where um I'll ever know it all. And this is what I love about sexuality is that even if you think like, oh, I've got a good understanding, there's always something else. And even if you're in a monogamous relationship, you can still find ways to be attracted to your partner. You can still find ways to like have hot, passionate sex. And these are the things that I'm passionate about and that I love to share with people. And uh, being with Kevin, we love to take our own life and uh, basically teach what we do for ourselves and, and make it easier on people because Kevin is a master at seeing patterns and taking complicated things and making them simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so you, you took all of that study and you turned it into your day job. You made mm -hmm. it your business now mm -hmm. for almost a decade. Correct. And so you've been helping men, women, and couples for a long time. And, and then my story is, is kind of different from hers in a sense that she discovered these teachings and then knew right away that this is what she wanted to do with her life as far as teaching and helping other people. In my case, I discovered these things and I was just like, I just want to learn it. Like I never really set out to be like, Ooh, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to go teach people this kind of stuff. I just wanted to learn it for myself. And so I went on my own journey and, and, you know, I studied Tantra and I studied basically all things related to how I could be better as a lover. And I really just wanted to learn it for myself. Uh, I'm also fortunate that uh, where I lived at the time, I was very close to um, a Tantra community. So there were a lot of people in the Tantra field that were personal friends of mine. Some of them were lovers of mine. And so I had lots of exposure to that. Every big name person that was teaching Tantra or sacred sexuality would come through where we lived. And because they were all friends with my friends, we all got to spend time together. I've taken every workshop you can take pretty much from all of those people. And really, it was all just about how can I be the best lover that I can be. And through that journey, I started noticing a lot of people asking me, hey, can you teach me how to do that? And hey, I heard you're really good at this. Or hey, can I ask you a question? You know, and it was starting to happen a lot, like so much so that I really like, they were kind of hitting me over the head, like spirit was hitting me over the head going, all right, how many times do we have to have people ask you to teach them stuff before you'll actually get out there and do it? 
the funny thing is, is I've been a teacher my entire life. I have taught everything, including high school. I was a high school teacher at one point. Um, I had taught for, you know, the American Heart Association, the American Red Cross, all these other things. I don't even go into them all. But for some reason, I had this aversion to wanting to teach sexuality. I, I don't know why. I was just like, it's my own thing. It's not something I want to bring to the world. But after enough people were really saying, look, you, you really have to share this kind of stuff. And in fact, one person uh, who's a friend of ours said, if you have this knowledge and you don't share it with the world, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he was that blunt about it. <laughs> so, so that's when I decided, okay, all right, fine. You know, I, I, I will go out there and start teaching this stuff. But when we first got together, we were not teaching it together. I was doing my thing on the side. She was doing her thing on the side because she already had her established practice. She had her clientele. She had her whole branding and everything going. And I didn't want to be like, oh, now we're a couple. So that means we teach together, you know, like so many other people do. So I just let her do her thing for a while. And then at some point, our paths just, they kept getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And more and more people kept saying, you guys need to be doing this together. Like, what are you doing? You know? And so that's when we decided, all right, it's time to bring what we both have together and really put something out there that brings both the masculine and the feminine. And I think that's one of the unique things that we possess is you have a lot of people, a lot of women that teach that, that are great and have an amazing feminine perspective and a lot of guys that have a masculine perspective, but not too many of them bring both together. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so great that you're a couple doing this. And uh, it seems like you actually like each other, which is <laughs> kind of a good thing. Because I've definitely come across other Tantra couples that like, they're teaching together, but they clearly don't like each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've seen a few of those. <laughs> it's really fucking sad. I'm just like, oh, I mean, it's like a train wreck, you know? You're just like, what's going on here? Uh, so, no, it's refreshing to see uh, the two of you. <laughs> um, so, you have you're, had your own personal journey with relationships. And, you know, I know it's very common in um, Tantra communities to have open relationships and polyamorous relationships and um, typically monogamy is actually the not the norm in those communities so I'm curious where has your journey gone with all of this <laughs> you can start again <laughs> um, so I was I was always monogamous but I always I would say I was monogamish that I was open to flirting with other people and like I've never fitted really in the full monogamish mold and after a while I I got into a relationship and he was very much into an open relationship and so we took the time to open up the relationship for me to learn how to be polyamorous to go slowly because one of the things that I do see is that some people fantasize about oh well monogamy sucks that's boring and so I want to be open I want to be poly I want to be able to have sex with as many people or that means it's going to be so much better and they go really fast and they don't think about all the logistics a threesome can sound amazing in your head but a threesome in real life there's a lot of things to consider and and it's important to be well prepared so I was very lucky to 
be in a relationship with someone who was older and more experienced to around polyamory. And what he did, because I was a newbie, he let me go as slow as I needed, meaning that at first I wasn't really comfortable with him having sex with other women. And he said, hey, why don't you go and have sex for yourself with men, women, whoever you want to have sex with? And then you can see how it is. And then slowly we can open up and I can do that too. And that's really how we did it. So that was a slow approach. And then living in San Diego, there's a big poly community here. uh, And that's really where I got introduced to it. So then, you know, just learning from other people who had done it for many years. So for a few years, I was in this open poly relationship with, um, you know, with a few lovers here and on, like over the years. And then when Kevin and I got together, I was still with that partner too. So we started as a triad and that was the, the base, the foundation of our relationship. So it was me with two men, but my previous relationship, we were kind of in a way where we were already starting to have different paths. And when Kevin came into the picture, we were so aligned and so compatible that my partner literally was like, this is my exit. I'm so glad. I didn't want to leave you by yourself, but now you have someone. You guys are so compatible. I bow to you guys. I'm I'm out. I need to go do some work for myself and do something with my life. And I, I'm going to leave you guys, like, have your relationship. Yeah. And he did something really wonderful too, which is, you know, he and I obviously were friends because, you know, we were in a triad. <laughs> we used to do things together as guy friends too. And uh, he came over to my house one day and he's like, hey, you know, I'd love to have a talk with you. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And it wasn't one of those ones where you're like, oh crap, what's going on? Like I was just, you know, we would get together and we would talk about stuff. So it wasn't abnormal for him to say that. And he basically said, I'm passing the baton to you. He said, you're in control now. Yeah. So that was his way of sort of saying, okay, here you go. You're your lead now. Because before they were the primary couple, And so, you know, they were the lead. I just kind of sat back and was like, you guys tell me what you want and what direction you want to go in and I'll just kind of follow along. And so that was kind of the pivotal moment where it was like, no, you're the one in charge. Now you get to decide, you know, how it's going to go. I was actually worried that Kevin wouldn't want to stay in the relationship because our relationship was he was my lover, you know, and I was like, I really wanted him to be my primary. I really wanted him to be like, that most important relationship. But I was like, it's not what he signed up for. Is he going to be willing to go for it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course. I mean, come on, goddess. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but you know how it goes in our heads sometimes. We're like, I don't know. I'm changing the rules on him. Is he going to be willing to play like that, right? (laughs) And from my perspective, you know, the whole time I was thinking, yeah, I would love to, but that's not the relationship that currently exists. So I just this is my place over here and that's all it can be. And then when it opened up and changed, I was like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm stepping in. (laughs) Uh, Isn't it amazing though, what goes on in our heads and like how we just create these stories and like we live the, we live our reality according to these stories, but they're often so limiting. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. In so many ways. Yeah, I had a I had a similar experience. I was uh, in a relationship and it was it was an open relationship. He was in relationship with uh, other women. I wasn't really into those women, so I didn't join in with them. Um, And, 
you know, but when he and I met, we just, it was so passionate and it was so instant, the connection, it was so incredible. And uh, before I knew it, it was just the two of us. And while we still kept like our open status, it was just the two of us. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it just happens like that. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's kind of what happened with us. So after my my partner moved out, we kind of kept the open status, but we were really focusing on each other. One of the biggest mistakes that people make is when you start a new relationship, it's really important to create a foundation. And sometimes they just want to go really fast. They're like, well, we're open. We still want to go and have sex with our people. So we're just going to do this right away. But if you want to be successful in the long term, you have to have this strong foundation of your relationship. And it takes time. You can't just fake it. And, and so we took that time and we were like, okay, we actually want to focus our energy on each other. And while we'll still go to sex parties, we're going to be sexually exclusive and focus on our relationship. And that's what we've been doing for a few years. That's where, that's where things moved. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it's, and it's so true what you're saying, because I had an experience where, and I could tell the sort of the whole story of how I kind of went through and became, you know, you know, poly or open or whatever you want to call it. But there is one particular uh, story where at one point I had, um, I had broken up with my current partner and there was a new girl who was interested in having a relationship. And so I had told her right from the start, I just ended a really deep relationship. Like I need some time to get over that. I'm really not in the space where I can be in a committed relationship. I said, but I'm happy to be in an open relationship with you. That, that would work. And she totally agreed to it. And over the course of two years, it was a disaster. <laughs> and, you know, I, mean, I could tell many stories why it was a disaster. But overall, what I learned from that experience was exactly what Celine just said, which was that because we started with, hey, we're in an open relationship, literally with no rules, like that was the agreement, like we don't have any rules, we can do whatever we want. Because we didn't establish that foundation and that trust and that level of intimacy, after a certain amount of time, she went into total panic mode and just somebody who was not at all jealous in the beginning started having massive jealousy and massive overreactions to situations. And it's because we didn't establish that. Definitely. Communication is so key in any type of relationship. Uh, and from, you know, just people I've talked to, other coaches, people in polyamorous relationships, my experience in open relationships is you have to communicate even more when you're bringing even more people into the picture. So having like clear agreements and just knowing where you're at, like spiritually, emotionally, mentally, with everything. Uh, it's a really important to keeping things in alignment, keeping things healthy, um, you know, and not we're all human, right? Not to say we're not going to still have our emotions flare up and that's totally fine. Um, but the more you communicate in any type of relationship is always going to help things be uh, not necessarily more smooth, but um, more open and, you know, just a better flow with it all. 
Yeah, when you add other people, everything gets magnified. So the love gets magnified, but all the unresolved things get magnified too. And people forget that often. And there's also something that I wanted to bring up in terms of the dynamics, because we live in a day and age now where I think anything can go. We don't have to limit ourselves anymore to a certain model. And we have the potential to create what really works for us. So some people, they will thrive like Kevin and I, we are in a monogamish relationship. And I'm saying monogamish because for some people, um, they will think that, oh, if you flirt with somebody else, I would be cheating. Or, well, for us, it's like, it's absolutely okay. We talk about who we are attracted to. We, we have full disclosure about how we feel about other people, but we've decided to be sexually exclusive with each other at this time, even though that's not what we always were. So we also have the skill set, if we ever want to reopen, to, to do that at some point. So people need to become sometimes more creative. Like what, what kind of relationship do you want? Is monogamy something that excites you? Because monogamy can be absolutely hot and sexy and amazing. You can have depth of intimacy and you can have hot sex, but you've got to work at it. You've got to put things into place because if you don't, it will get routine or boring. Open relationship can be amazing too. And polyamory, where you have committed relationship with different with a group of people, that can be heart opening. And it's something that I'm so grateful I had for many years because I learned so much about myself, about relating, about communication, like what you were talking about, Sarah. And it's a beautiful way of relating if you can do it with transparency and integrity. And then if you like swinging and you just want to have like sex with people that you don't really know who they are and you don't need to fall in love with, you just want to rub genitals with, it's also great. And anything else in between. And I think that's what this conversation is so important because people need to start to think more outside the box in terms of what do they want to create? What do they need? And how can their current relationship thrive within the model that they've created? Yeah. So how do you feel that uh, Tantra in particular has impacted your relationship together? Hmm. That's a good question. So Tantra, you know, when we speak about Tantra in the West, generally what most people mean is the sexual practices of Tantra. And if I'm going to answer a question about how Tantra itself affects our relationship or has impacted our relationship, I really need to expand the vision out of what Tantra is and get to the larger Tantra, which is what is Tantra really? So Tantra is a system for living life and it encompasses everything, your spirituality, your physicality, your sexuality, everything that it takes to live a thriving, successful life where you are physically nourished, mentally nourished, spiritually nourished, all of that stuff, right? So when I talk about Tantra, that's really what I'm talking about. Now, does some cool sex stuff come along with all that? Yes, <laughs> but that's not all it is. And so in our relationship, you know, from the broader perspective of Tantra, it's like making sure that we nourish every part of that relationship. 
so that we have a spiritual connection. We have an emotional connection. We have a sexual connection, right? We have all of that. We have physical connection in ways that aren't just sexual, right? So we nourish that and work on that all the time. And we understand that there's a holistic system here that we need to nourish all the parts of in order to have a successful relationship. Now, going back to the sex stuff, you know, when it comes to how do you have great sex, there really is a part of sexuality that is the movement of energy. And that's one of the big practices that Tantra focuses on, which is how to cultivate that energy and then how to move it through your body. And better yet, when you're having sex with somebody, how to circulate that energy between the two of you. And so all of our lovemaking has that component in it. And that is why our lovemaking is so amazing. And, you know, through the roof, off the charts, whatever you, you want to <laughs> call it, right? Because we're not just doing, oh, here's a penis in a vagina. Let's rub, let's get some friction. And oh, that felt good. And we had an orgasm and that's all, right? We bring those tantric practices in every time we make love. And it's not like we do it intentionally at this point. It's not like we say, we're going to have tantric sex tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we just said, let's make love. Or sometimes we don't say anything and it just happens. And because we have lived that lifestyle for so long it's just part of who we are now you know whether it's an eye gazing practice or breathing practice or circulating energy practice or you know certain positions that maybe are more tantric positions or or whatever it is all of that is just part of who we are and it's added into the sexual connection of the relationship that we have yeah i get asked so many so often what are different tantric positions i'm like tantra isn't positions it's just like it's the way it's the way you interact when you're in these positions it's the way you're moving energy when you're in any position it's the way you move through your entire life absolutely absolutely and that's you know if i could teach anybody anything about tantra that's what it would be because if you really want to be good in the bedroom with Tantra, it can't be something that you just turn on when you walk into the bedroom, right? It really has to be the way you live your life, how you go through life. Yeah, it really is. And that's what I try and teach men as well is like when you're interacting with women, it is so much far beyond when you get before you get to the bedroom. Like you can't just show up in the bedroom and think, okay, everything's going to be amazing here if it hasn't already been amazing before you get there. And like, it's not about just, okay, well, I know how to rub a clitoris. Like, all right, you can know how to rub a clitoris. You can give her 10 orgasms and she may still hate you and never want to see you again. Right? <laughs> like, Absolutely. You've got to like have this, it's a the bigger picture of how are we relating? How is our communication? How is the, and foreplay isn't just like, you know, the five to 10 minutes before the penis and vagina, like foreplay is all of life. And then when it is the penis and vagina, okay, great. Like that can be the icing on top. Maybe not. This isn't always, uh, but it, you know, it can be, but you've already had just amazing sexuality, sexual experiences just by living life. Like, you know, uh, is it Osho that said all of life is, or the, all of life is an orgasm. Am I saying that right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and if you look at life through that lens instead of, um, okay, just how do I have better sex when I'm in the bedroom? Like, it's a completely different perspective. 
Absolutely. And, and in our online courses that we have for men, our sexual mastery course, we have three whole modules that are how to create intimacy before, during, and after. And what we show is that it's really a big loop, right? It starts before, it continues through on, and then it continues after, and then comes right back to the beginning. It never ends. It's an all day, every day process. Yeah, which is like the tantric energy, right? Like instead of just a peak and then a crash and then you're done, it's an energy that keeps flowing over and over and over as long as you want it to. Yeah, we call that uh, in, in our programs, constant state of arousal, teaching people how to be in a constant state of arousal all day long so that they don't have to go from zero aroused to, oh, now we're in the bedroom and we have to make it to 100%. You're probably at like 50 or 60 when you're standing in the kitchen, right? By the time you get to the bedroom, it's like, we're almost there already, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I love how Montauk Chia talks about uh, men like kind of needing to be able to go longer, women training their bodies to be able to get to that hot point faster. So that way we're in that middle ground and able to meet each other there rather than, you know, women being more at like a 10%, men being at like a 90%, and then women never getting beyond the 10%. Maybe they get to 20 by the time, you know, the guy is at 100%, but <laughs> working to have the middle ground. And yeah, I find that Tantra is definitely the the most effective way for for people to really come together in that that happy medium that satisfies both men and women in the way that we all really want to be met, right? There's like there's really not that big of a difference between the kind of sex that men want and the kind of sex that women want. We have different conditioning, we have different physi physiology, but like what we really want, the passion, the intimacy, the connection, the love, the being seen by our partner, like all of that is so facilitated by Tantra. Absolutely. And, and you know, one of the amazing things that we find when we work with people is that you've probably heard the expression, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so when we sometimes try to explain this to people and say, here's what you could be having, their mind can't even wrap around it because they've never experienced it before. So they have no concept of what they could actually be achieving. And so a lot of the work that we do with people is getting them to, again, sort of think outside the box and like, here's what you're used to. Here's the kind of regular sex that you're used to. And here's what you could be having. And it blows their minds. Like, first of all, when you try to explain it to them, they really can't grasp the concept. But if you can get them to the place where they actually experience it in their bodies, it literally blows their mind. And then they never want to go back. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I think for, uh, you know, those of us that have experienced it and we know how fucking amazing it is and you know it can just be like all I want to do is talk about like just the transcendental experiences and like all the amazing you know highs from it all and then I have to realize okay like that just is so just people like can't even comprehend that <laughs> yeah yep I remember we had uh, a couple over um, actually two couples over that were our friends for dinner one night and we were kind of talking about this stuff and one of the men said but why would you want to do that? Well, it was something about, we were talking about the separation of ejaculation and orgasm for men to be able to have sex for like 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, however long you want. And that was his reaction to, but why would you want to do that? And I was like, 
what? Like, <laughs> see, we couldn't even comprehend why he would ask that question. What do you mean, why? Do you have any idea what this means? <laughs> yeah. But they're comparing it to conventional sex, mm-hmm. where you know, a guy's thinking, I have to thrust for two hours like that does (laughs) that sounds pretty miserable you know and and from a woman's perspective it sounds miserable too because when I have conventional sex like I'm ready for it to be done in 15 to 20 minutes like Mm -hmm. you know just the the pounding the in and out of the the pussy like I mean I enjoy it. It's fun, but then I'm done. Like, I don't want that to last for two hours. (laughs) (laughs) But with tantric sex, I'm like, oh my God, like, do we ever have to end? Can this just go on for days and days? And sometimes it does. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So it is, it's all about like, once they, once you can feel it in your body and really experience the difference, you're just like, oh, okay. It's a whole, whole different world out there. Um, But So what do you recommend to people that are interested in wanting to try out uh, a polyamorous relationship and they've never done this before? (laughs) All right. We're going to start at the beginning. Number one, never open your relationship unless you are very solid and happy. So don't open your relationship because you guys don't really get along. So you're thinking it's going to fix it. It's kind of the same that when couples are like on the verge of separating and then they're like, maybe we should have a kid. We should make a baby. That's going to help us stick together. So if you approach opening your relationship from that place, like there's something missing that's not working or something foundational is missing in your relationship. So you need it from somebody somewhere else. That's a big mistake. So you need to have this very good foundation put into place. I always recommend to talk about things first, start to imagine scenarios, because one thing that I have realized, though, is especially for me, and I think maybe for women, it works like this, too. Often it seems worse in our head than it really is in reality. So for me, when I was concerned about how am I going to react when I'm going to see my partner going down on another woman or penetrating her, you know, so this were some moments that felt a little scary. But when those things happened in real life, they weren't. But what was fantastic was to talk about all these different scenarios and process them like this without having to do anything and do all the scenarios like two girls on a guy, two guys on a girl. Like, you know, especially when people want to open relations, like, oh, threesome. Oh, I'm a dude. I'm going to have like two hot girls. The guys always think it's going to be two girls and a guy. Exactly. Maybe. But maybe maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think the place of communicating and playing with the ideas and, and being frank with what comes up, like maybe there's insecurity, maybe there's jealousy, um, my first threesome actually didn't go very well. So it actually was with another woman. And when he went down on her and then they kind of went in their thing together. And then I was standing there and I froze. I didn't know how to insert myself into the situation and what to do. And I didn't have the courage. I didn't want to be that girl, the one who freaks out. I didn't want to say, hey, pause, pause. You know, I need to like reconnect with you guys. And so I kind of sat there and like smiled. Like, you're kind of, oh yeah, I'm so good. You know, and I kind of had this fake smile. And then after a while I had to like call it. And then we we talked about it and we found a way to reconnect. 
But that actually, that first experience was a little bit traumatizing for a while because it didn't go well. But I also learned that it depended on my ability to speak up. So if you can do this thing before you get started, meaning you know how to speak up because you've run the scenarios and you've, you've, you, you feel okay with being vulnerable with your partner, then that's a really, really important thing. Yeah. And I would love to add that when you're communicating about all of that stuff, you have to communicate your agreements. And now I'm going to tell the funny story about agreements. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I was in an open relationship with a past partner and we did have agreements. We actually verbally talked about the agreements. We, we, had, we, we had ours written down. You guys yes. had them. Right. And, and that's where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. So you know the story, of course. So uh, we had verbal agreements that we had discussed. So we're in the car and we're on our way to a like four day weekend event for poly people. So we're going to be with like, I don't know, 50, 60 other poly people. There's going to be a big sex party on one of the nights. It's like a whole event, right? And there's the two of us in the car and we have another Tantra uh, teacher who was uh, riding there with us. And so we were just having, you know, having a chit chat in the car while we're driving. And the teacher says, so what are your guys' agreements? Valid question, right? We're on our way to a big poly thing. And so what are your guys' agreements? My partner says, oh, we don't have any agreements. And I'm driving at this moment. I almost swerved out of the lane. And I'm like, what? What do you mean we don't have agreements? I go, we have this agreement and this agreement and this agreement. And I think I've listed about four major agreements about how you know we operate in an open relationship. And I was like, I was amazed that she could say that we didn't actually have any agreement. So what I learned from that situation and what we did as soon as we could get pen and paper and not be driving, I said, we need to write this down. And you and your partner mm -hmm. did have it written down. You actually sent it to me so I could mm -hmm. see what your list was. And it was then, a two-page agreement. Yeah, mine was way shorter than that. <laughs> <laughs> but but then we sat down and we made a list of agreements and we literally kept them on our phones, like, you know, in our notes application so that at any moment, if you needed to remember what that agreement was, you could pull it up. And so, yeah, I would add that before, before you attempt to open up your relationship and have anything, even if it's just a date, not even sex mm -hmm. with somebody else outside of your, your, um, primary relationship, you have to write those agreements down. And to do that, you have to be brutally honest with each other. You have to sit down and tell them exactly what you want and exactly what you are willing to let them do. Like you got to spell it all out. And if there's any, any sort of ambiguity or gray area, you've got to seal it up. This is not uh, something like the Constitution where you can have a court to interpret what it means. There is no <laughs> interpreting. It's black and white. Everybody understands it or it's not good enough. And I think in terms of agreement, if uh, listeners today are wondering, like, what do you talk about? Like, talk about how do you use condoms? What do you do if a condoms break? Who are you fluid bonded with? Meaning you exchange fluids with. Are you even having intercourse with other people? Or is it oral sex? Or is it a massage or a hand job or just whatever? Like you have to lay it out. How do you do it? Do you have sleepovers? No sleepovers. How do you want to reconnect after somebody had an experience with somebody else? 
What do you need? Do you need to be told you're beautiful? Do you need to be held? Do you need to know every details of what happened? Or do you not want to know? Do you want to always have sex right after they're done? Do you want to see? Do you want to not see? I mean, there are so many things. Like I'm just throwing things here on top of my head. But you have to think about these things. And, and I'm so glad, Kevin, you brought that up because the agreements are essential. And I would say when... Our agreements was two pages long with my previous partner because we had every details. After a few years, we narrowed them down. We didn't need that many things. But I always say start with more than what you think you need. And you can always like shove some through the window later because it's much easier to be like, hey, I don't need this agreement. I'm good. Rather than like, we didn't address this. Now there's this massive crisis that we need to process all together. And it's going to take three days of our life because we did not take the time to do that prior. Yeah. And, and remember, some friends of ours had a five page long That's true. Google Doc of agreements. So <laughs> your two pages, that was nothing. <laughs> so I'm curious, why do you think that humans need this? Safety. Absolutely safety. People need to feel safe and secure. And like, what it really comes down to when you open up your relationship, if you if you boil it all down and you get rid of all the things that are more uh, surface level issues, it really comes down to fear of the person leaving you for somebody else. That's what it comes down to. And it manifests in all kinds of other excuses. You know, if you're coaching people on this, it's going to be, yeah, but then I'm afraid what about this and this and this and this and this. And if you really just strip away the story and the bullshit, what you get down to is I'm afraid if he does that or she does that, that they're going to like it better with that person and they're going to leave. Mm -hmm. Right. So the agreements allow people to operate in a place where they feel safe. They know what's going to happen. Nothing unknown is going to come, you know, out of left field. In fact, one of the agreements always is, is, Let's say you're out uh, at a party and your partner's at home and you meet somebody at that party and you have this instant attraction. Like, oh my God, we, we just, we really want to fuck. Like, oh, you know, and you're in an open relationship. So you're allowed to have sex with other people. You absolutely cannot in that moment dial up your partner and go, uh, yeah, can we talk for a minute? Um, I'm at this party and I met this girl and she's really hot. And like, we were going to, would it be okay? No, you can't do that. That comes out of left field. It makes people feel unsafe, right? So the agreements really establish a set of rules for the game so that everybody can feel like they understand how the game is played and they know where they stand and they can feel safe. But before people go like, oh, agreements, but then that's going to trap us more. This is why I want out of monogamy because of that. It works the opposite way. So everyone has heard of the stories where they did these uh, studies where they have kids playing in a playground and they have two different groups. And one group is playing with no fence and all the kids kind of stay into one little area in the middle and that's where they stay. And that's why that's where they feel safe. That's exactly what Kevin's talking about. And then they do the other group and they put a fence and they say, you guys can play anywhere you want. And there's the fence and the kids go and play and explore much more because they know the boundaries. And so think of those as guidelines, as boundaries to help you explore and play more and play better rather than trap you. See, I'm just like, when I've been really shifts like that, I'm more along the lines of, all right, here's the deal. Like, are you using condoms with everybody? Because if not, then that is unsafe for my body and my health. And if you're not, then I'm not going to have sex with you. And 
other than that, it's all fair game. (laughs) (laughs) I will, I will say Sarah though, that that is pretty rare for most women. Having been in multiple open relationships with different partners over the years, I can say there are very few women that will be like, Hey, meet the basic safety requirements and you're free to roam and do whatever the hell you damn well, please. There are very few women that will be okay with that. Well, and the scenario you gave us too was how to open up. So we're already thinking they have an established relationship because I'm imagining with the scenario you're giving, it's easier because you haven't yet really created the the depth or the intimacy and you're like you're kind of like getting on a fuck body experience where you can still have amazing sex and create like this depth of intimacy into the, the 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 experience or the free hours of love making you're having but if you come from a place of having an established relationship i think that's when there's more of the fears because you don't want to lose what you've created so far so if you don't yet have a relationship and you're okay with that and you're like this is how i want to play this is great if you already have something in place you're going to make sure that you're preserving one of the concept is always as long as it adds to your relationship and it shouldn't take away and and what i do see too is that over time people will get more comfortable so like i said when i started i needed a lot more rules or guidelines and things and then at the end i was closer to where you were where i was like yeah, you can fuck anyone you want. And I was like, as long as you use condoms. And and I was like, I don't want you to do this or that unless, you know, we had STIs. And I was like, my rule too was I didn't want him to have sex with someone I hadn't yet met. So I was just like, I just want her and I to say, hi, what's up? And then I was like, even if I'm like, I don't have to want to have sex with her. I was like, this is fine. But it took some time to get there. And I think also that's important for people to hear because a lot of people think they should be more open or they should be more advanced spiritual and here's the thing you are exactly where you are stop beating yourself up and do whatever you need to help you feel safe and comfortable and then you won't need all of these things and you'll get to that place where you want to be yeah and i mean i just want to say like i'm just as happy to be in a monogamous relationship as i am in like an open relationship it just depends on the person that i'm with and the connection that's there and what i'm wanting to create in that relationship and so you know i think different people have different dynamics and we just we all play different yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but you're right. It does, it does come down to the safety or like, I don't, I don't want to, not even the safety, but I don't want to lose what I have. And I think that the more that we do our own personal work and like, you know, just our personal development work, that the less fear that we have around losing relationships, because it's like, well, I know that at the end of the day, I love myself no matter what. I belong with myself no matter what. I'm safe with myself no matter what. And if this relationship is no longer the best for us, and you know, that's because there's another relationship that's now better for uh, me or for my partner or, you know, another person, then, you know, so be it rather than like always trying to um, just maintain and, and save something. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. But you also have to understand that that takes a tremendous amount of personal work for people to get to that place where they're so solid and comfortable and confident in who they are in this world. I would say the majority of people aren't there. 
And so because they're not there, they're going to need some structure around that in order to help them feel safe about it. But, but in general, I do agree with you that the reality is you can't stop anybody from doing anything, right? So this idea that if we stay monogamous, then she's never going to leave me because she's never going to have an opportunity to be around another man. It's just simply not true. She'll meet somebody at the grocery store or wherever on normal day to day. And like, you can't stop it. Right. And so this idea that, it, that you're going to hold on so tight and you're going to smother and you're going to make sure that he or she doesn't have any contact with anybody of the opposite sex. And therefore you'll have her or him forever. It's not really true. And so, but you got to do all that personal work to get to the place to realize that if she does or he does decides to go with another person, it's probably because your relationship itself wasn't strong enough. And maybe what you should be doing rather than trying to smother the person and lock them down and put a chastity belt on them is actually invest some energy in making your relationship so fucking good that they would never even think about walking away from it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's like, you know, seeing couples like you where you're like, this is, this is where I want to be. I have the choice to be wherever I want and I'm Mm -hmm. choosing to be here. And that's, I think that's where I'm coming from as well. Like, you know, one, one relationship that I was talking about, like, it was so amazing just to be together, me and him, that we didn't want to be anywhere else, no matter how many options we had. And like, that's the kind of relationship I want to be in. Like, if I'm choosing a monogamous relationship, it's because I've got that. Yep. Yes. That's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely amazing. So I have some fun cards for us to play. This is the Let's Talk About Sex deck from Games for Humanity. Uh, my co-host who's here with me a lot, uh, Aaron Hickok, created these. And they are prompts to help uh, people just be more open about their sexuality and have uh, discussions around, you know, different topics that maybe they wouldn't originally think of, not the first thing that comes to mind. And it just gives us some ideas. So you ready? All right. Let's do it. All right. So I just, um, I just like pick, I'm not looking. (laughs) You never know what's going to come up. Okay. My first time having sex was... And of course, if you ever want to pass, that's fine. Oh, no, no. We talk about everything. All right. My first time having sex was with the girl from up the street and I snuck her into my bedroom and uh, we did have penetration sex twice and it was both very fast because I was like 15 years old and had no fucking idea what the hell I was doing. (laughs) But I did it and I did learn a few things and I was like, okay, uh, all right, now I understand what that is. I, I, I'm going to try better next time. <laughs> <laughs> and She's look at so you good. now. She would be so That's impressed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so who's, That's not the same guy. <laughs> right? My first time having sex, I waited a long time for it. It was a couple weeks before I turned 18 and I couldn't wait to finally lose my virginity. I had sex with the first guy I kissed 
We didn't have sex the first night we kissed because it was on New Year's Eve, but we made an appointment for another date and we were very specific about what was going to happen. And it was a similar experience to Kevin that he came before he put on the condom. I did not come that soon. Well, sorry, sorry, love. I had actual <laughs> penetration first. And then and then and then we did it again right away because at that age, you know, you can get it up in seconds again, no matter how many times you come. Down. Exactly. Uh, and then it lasted a little bit better. And then we had sex a few days later for the third time. And that this time he lasted for so long that I had to stop him because I had a train to catch. And that was the first guy I had sex with. And that happened within a period of like two weeks. And then I was gone for a whole year to New Zealand. So I tried to do everything before I left. So I could finally be like no more of that weird girl who was like 18, never been kissed, never been fucked. I was like, yeah, done. <laughs> now I can go around and fuck some more. <laughs> <laughs> See, you grew up in a totally different culture than I did, where I was like very conservative, very Christian. It was like no sex until marriage. And um, I mean, all the people that I was around, like nobody was having sex. So 18 was not a big deal. <laughs> but then they all just got married super young. So that way they could have sex. So mm -hmm. like that really worked out very well. <laughs> my friends were all older than me and they were all having sex already. So I couldn't wait. I'm like, when is it my turn? When is it my turn? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do one more. Bum, ba, ba, ba. I practice self-love by blank. Oh, I practice self-love by paying attention to what I need and giving myself permission to go for it. And it can show up in different ways. So sometimes it shows up as it is 4.30 in the afternoon and I'm really tired. So I'm not going to write that email anymore or do this last thing because I'm going to take care of myself because I want to go read a book or I want to take a walk. I practice self-love when I massage my breasts every day just to feel that love because that's right there. I practice self-love by masturbating sometimes so Kevin eh, no access to the bedroom it's my play den tonight <laughs> he's like no fair <laughs> um so this would be some examples yeah you know I mean these are these are cards to get people to talk about their sexuality but honestly in answering this question I mostly practice self-love by doing all things that are not sexual so it, I practice self-love very similarly to you by making sure I take care of myself I practice self-love by making sure I eat healthy food by working out even when I'm not in the mood to work out by making sure that I take enough time to rest and mm -hmm. not overcommit myself or overwork or do any of that kind of stuff um, that's really how I practice self-love is just making sure that I take care of myself so that I can show up as the best person that I can be in life and also for you. Oh, <laughs> isn't he oh amazing? God. You two are so fucking adorable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're inspiring me again. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> I know. Well, no, I actually am ready for a relationship again. It's been a while and I'm at that point, um, but I'm in the middle. I mean, this year has just been insane, clearly. And um, I was in huge transition all year. And uh, but when I moved to New York, 
I will definitely be like, all right, now it's time. <laughs> it's quite a large fishbowl where you are. Oh, I know. <laughs> and such an amazing one, too. <laughs> Get ready, New York. Quite, quite the underground scene as well. So plenty of places to go get naughty. <laughs> yes, yes. I, ha I actually um, have already been. There's a woman that um, is really amazing and I'm really excited about her. So we'll see. But uh, yeah. Um, so yeah. How can everybody find you? You can go to selineremy.com and you'll find everything that we do together from the Love Lab podcast to, to the link to Power and Mastery, our online courses, as well as our um, coaching that we, Kevin and I, do together. And we are uh, with the Love Lab podcast on anywhere with like platforms that have podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and then on Instagram at Celine Remy Love, on YouTube, on Facebook. I mean, just find Celine Remy or Celine Remy Love and you'll find us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's always great talking to both of you. I really appreciate just your level of maturity around these conversations. And I feel like this podcast and the one that we did um, on your channel, like we, we talked about some, you know, tougher subjects that uh, can be trigger, triggering for people. And you two are just so amazing. I really love our connection and being able to talk with you. So thank you for coming and joining today. It was our pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us on. <laughs> Absolutely. And that is Sex and Sarah Rose. Oh. Hey, it's Sarah again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for everything we discussed in this episode. And you can also find out about how you can work with me. Until next time, lovers. Down tonight.